Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. You know, for centuries, the church has done this greeting, and if you can picture in your mind's eye, the globe and the sun's you know coming up in the east all around planet earth and all since the timeline started dateline you know and people are getting up and they're praising God the Christians and they're they're just they're worshiping the Lord because this is Easter all around the world it's been going on all around the world and here we are jumping in in the central time zone and going he's alive he's risen and so for all these centuries the church will say he's risen and the response is He's risen indeed. So let's do it. He's risen. He's risen Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's, uh, 1 Corinthians. This is one of those resurrection chapters of, of Scripture. And uh, this is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And at the end of this, Paul starts out with the gospel. Jesus died for the sins of the world. And then he was raised on the third day by the power of God, appeared to all these different people. And then he talks about the importance of the resurrection. We'll come back to that in just a minute. And he finishes with this great line in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 to 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you uh, were able to step in for us to receive uh, just the, the, the forgiveness that we couldn't walk into on our own, to receive the judgment that we couldn't walk into on our own. And just so, Lord, we thank you. And would you just let your love and grace flow through us and in this place this morning as we proclaim the gospel the good news about our Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead on this Easter morning. In Jesus' name, and we say together, Amen. I just want to say too, you're not here by accident. Okay, if you're here, you're not here by accident. And we want to, we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. And that's what we do Sunday after Sunday. But I just want to be real clear this morning. Easter, has, it means so many wonderful things. But it's, there's pictures that just come to mind. Easter, Easter means life. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Easter means love because the Father so loved us that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Easter means freedom from the bondage of the power to sin and the bondage to the power of the devil. We're going to talk about that this morning. Easter means hope because in Jesus Christ, there's always a future. No matter what you're going through this morning, there's always a future. There's always a hope in Jesus He's overcome every Easter means truth because all of those promises that God made Abraham, I'm going to bless you through your family. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And then he has this family and ultimately Jesus comes and he is the key to that blessing to all of the nations. Isn't that awesome. And let me pause here on truth for just a second, because we are living in a culture right now where truth is increasingly uh, it's like hard to get for people. Like they'll, they're like, truth's kind of relative or something like that. And tolerance is such a, such a huge uh, thing that, that, uh, it's important that we are clear because I, I want everybody to hear me on this. Everybody's going to land somewhere. 
Every, everybody's going to land. Two plus two equals four, and it's not all the other numbers. There really is truth. And there really is absolute truth. And the more you go in education, looking to the college students here, the, the deeper you go into education, the more uh, it's in vogue to say that truth is relative. And there's not absolute truth. Have you, have you ever put your thinking caps on for just a, a second here and think about what I'm about to say? Have you ever heard something like this? There's no such thing as absolute truth. You ever heard that? Now, now think about that. Think about what I just said there. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, that's kind of a faith statement, isn't it? It's, it's kind of faith in the philosophy that there's no absolute truth. It's, it's an absolute statement about the philosophy that there's no absolute truth. Y'all tracking with me? I know it's kind of deep, like, whoa, we got deep all of a sudden. But it is a faith statement. And what we do as Christians is that we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Like Jesus had all these incredible teachings. And where his teachings are followed in all the world, it's like that's where it's just life is the best. In fact, if his teachings were completely... I keep doing this because I'm doing the globe, you know. But if his teachings were completely followed around the world, there would be peace and love and harmony. It would be the new creation. You know, we wouldn't kill each other. We wouldn't hurt. We would be self-sacrificing, giving, cross-like looking love all around the world. That, that's awesome. That's a, just a, that's a mind-blowing thought. But, but that's us, you know, for us, where are you going to land? Because there really is truth. And, and there's absolute truth. And it's a person, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So with that digression, I, I come back. So Easter means love and life and, and freedom and forgiveness. All of those, His blood was shed for us. It means truth. And what we're talking about today is Easter means victory. The victory of God in and through Jesus Christ in His life. It's the victory that we all need. I remember I was a senior in college and I had blown it, man. I mean, my life was a mess and it was messed up. And I, what I was experiencing was the, the defeat of sin, I, the, the absolute defeat of sin. And I picture it, you know, addiction, sin, the stuff I was into. I, I call it the toilet bowl vortex of death. So if you can just imagine a big toilet bowl going like this, you know, that's, that's what sin's like. And it le I didn't do that in the first couple services. It's much more serious than that. It was a mess. It was terrible. And it's my testimony, though. I, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And death be started becoming an option for me. It was, I just, it was horrible. I couldn't see a way out. And there was a night that I met Jesus. And His victory came into my life. And I remember looking just it, it was in my mind's eye. It wasn't like He was physically there, but I could see the Lord. And all of a sudden, I was just like, Lord... Jesus, if that's you, you've got to save me because I'm lost. I'm defeated. I'm a mess and I know it. I wasn't arguing about my morality or my religion or these different things. It was just, I'm a mess and I needed the Lord. And I met him that night. I mean, my life has been totally different since that night. Just absolutely, incredibly, uh, just, uh, just, uh, it was guitar in the first two services. I think I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a bat toss on this one. Just, just what, when I met Jesus, it was just incredible. 
Don't work with me on this. I'm just it's third time. I'm trying doing the best I can here. Um, but you know what? Every one of us has a testimony. Every single person in this room, if you, if you know Jesus, either you, you've, you already know him and you have a testimony or you're going to meet him one day, I hope. Maybe today. Let today be the day. And, and your testimony has been brewing this whole time. And when you meet Jesus, though, everything changes. It's just such, it's such wonderful goodness. And the, part of the reason we tell little, little bits of our story like that is Revelation 12 verse 11 says that the accuser of the brethren is overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. We speak our testimony out and loving not our souls, our lives, even to the point of death. And that's how the enemy, and he's, he's all, he's working all the time. The accuser of the brethren just constantly working on us, you know, and so we want to experience the victory that we all so that Jesus brings and we need it because we all experience guilt. We all experience shame. Just just do a little wave. So I know somebody guilt, shame, uh, brokenness. And can I just say on the on the shame piece, you know. When I blow it. It, it, that's just, that's kind of what, what, that's what you feel. It's shame. You, you, you feel that. And so, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we don't need to be putting that on somebody else. You know that phrase, shame on you? Don't use that one. Let's don't, let's don't do that. Because it's like, it's bad enough. We feel it when we blow it. We don't need someone else putting that on us. We, we, we feel it. And so that's our experience. Guilt, shame, the pain of bad decisions. Anybody done one of those in the last month? Yeah, it just it's like, oh, wow, what was I thinking? You know, and that's part of how we grow. That's part of how we gain grow in wisdom and stature is we like, okay, that that wasn't the Lord. He didn't want me to do that. But we all need what God gives when we when we experience the pain of of uh, of loss or bad decisions or the bondage that the enemy brings. We need what we need is the victory that Jesus offers to us on Easter. You know, it's, it's all the time, but we're celebrating it today, right? That he's raised from the dead. And all the stuff that he wants to bring into your life, it's possible. It's, he's vindicated because he, in fact, all those things he said, they're true and vindicated because he rose from the dead on the third day after being crucified on the cross. So here's the main thing today. If I'm going to put it in one sentence, it's this. God wants us to trust and hope in Jesus and the victory that only... He brings into our lives that only He brings. It's a, he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not, there's not other, there's not, uh, we, can, we can go for other sources, but nothing satisfies like Jesus. Everything else, other loves, other sources of life, they, you know, will end up just trying to suck people or things or experiences or whatever out of those things when what we crave is the victory that Jesus brings. The life that Jesus brings. So what I want to do this morning is tell the victory story. Just a couple points. And, you know, in telling the victory story, you have to start with how good it was. You know, in the very beginning, you start with God. You don't start with us. We're, we're in the story and we're a key part of it. But you don't start with us and our sin. You start with God. In the beginning, before, before creation even, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the eternal Father, the eternal Son, sharing their love in that mutual anointing and communion of the Holy Spirit. 
And so God is love. That's why we can say so, so, uh, dogmatically. So in such a big way, God is love from before creation. So God's plan, even from before creation, was for us to experience and to receive his love. So Paul says it like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So check it out. He wants to adopt us from before creation. His love is toward us from before creation. And it's his pleasure and will to do this. It's not, you know, God's not like, oh, okay. He loves you. He's for you. And that's why, the, you know, if you don't start the story there, you miss out on how good the good news really is. So we start there with, and it's what, it's what's, uh, uh, we long for this. I long for relationship. I long for love. Anybody else? That's how we were made. Our hearts sing. When we're flowing together and community's good, and, and it's just like there's the, 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 the tracks going, and we're, we're in step together, and, and the, the harmonies arrive. Why not? And the harmonies are flowing. Yeah. And, and when we, and it all starts coming together, and we feel like we're in the zone. You know, when we feel like we're in the zone together, it's only because we're representing the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right relationships. And that's what we're made for. And I, I think that kind of worked. That, what? Da, 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 oh, uh, 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 so. So we're made for that. We're made for right relationships. And so God created us. That's the way he created us. Genesis 1, 2, 3. And uh, so uh, God said, let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created us to be in his image. So if I could get all the males and all the females just real quickly, raise your hands. Males and females. Okay, so you guys are made for the image of God. You're made to be in the image of God. That's who we are. Male, female, made to be in the image of God, to represent him on planet Earth. Okay, to to express his rule and authority to he breathes into us the breath of life and we're to walk around and multiply that life on planet Earth. And in all of that, that image bearing and ruling in his name and walking in his life and multiplying that life. When all of that's going on, that's what we call glory. The glory of God. We're meant to represent the glory of God on planet Earth. Man, and that's, that's a wonderful calling. And so, so, so God, He gives Adam and Eve one choice. Well, actually lots of choices. You get to name the animals and stuff like that. But, but there's one thing He says don't do. And so you got the love, and here's the second part of the story. Here's the loss. The love and the loss. And, and you got this, this one tree that he says, you can eat from any tree, you can eat from any fruit in the garden, but from this one tree, you may not eat. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You ever thought why that's so important? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's one choice. It's one thing I'm saying, don't do. 
And part of it, I, I, there's a lot of things God wants us living in dependence upon Him, not living independently, and that's what this tree represents, is independent living, where we make the choices, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm now on the throne. And so God, He wants us living in dependence. And actually, if you think about when Jesus comes, what does He model in His life and living? A dependent life on the Father. He only did what He saw the Father doing. He only spoke what He heard the Father saying. That's the life that He lived and modeled for us. And so when God is saying, don't eat from this tree, and we've all done it, it's a, it's a decision to live a, an independent life. And the reason that choice is so important, I think this is really at the heart of it, is that, that when we are given a choice, it, it gives us an expression, a, a possibility of loving God with our lives. If we never had a choice, if we were just robots, you know, that had to do exactly, and we were on the, you know, and we had to do exactly whatever God was doing, and, and only that, is that love? It's not love. So God gives us this choice, and He says, I want you to, I, I want you to love me. I want you to express love for me and, and respond to my love, but I'm giving you a choice to do that. And there's mystery there. I, I, I get it, sovereignty and free will and all those kinds of things. But there is a real, for love to really exist, there's got to be some measure of a real choice to respond to that love or not. Everybody tracking? So I know it's kind of deep, but it's important. It's an important part of the story is that when we fell, that's what we blew it. It's a, it's a, I'm going to live an independent life from God. And that's, that's the crumbling, terrible loss of the fall of humanity in the garden. And it goes viral. You know, Adam makes that choice. Adam and Eve make that choice. And it just, it, it spreads to all of their descendants. All of us have all done it. We've all, we've all given up image and dominion and God's life and the multiplication of that life. We've sinned, you know, and so, you know, we've just right down the family tree from Adam, right? So what was God to do? We've blown it. What's God going to do? How's God going to respond to this, this deal? Because now that we've blown it, we kind of cut ourselves off. We're enemies in our own minds to God. Think about that. He's still loving. What was the first decision Adam and Eve make, right? They hide in the bushes. Look, the Father's loving us, but we're not loving Him back. Now we see Him differently because we've believed a lie about Him and believed a lie about ourselves. And now we're unable to receive His love, and so we're unloving. We're, we're hurt, and we hurt. We're wounded, and we wound. And it's just, it's a, it's just this, it's this vicious cycle where this river of toxic stuff is flowing in us. We can't receive the love, the life, the, 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 the grace that, that is so desperately needed in our souls. And so we're, we're, we're trying to suck life out of any place we can get it. And, and, and we're, we're, because we're hurt, now we think God's like that. Like, oh, I feel crummy and I'm not pretty or smart or all these different things. And I'm putting those things on the face of God. God's like me. And that's what we do in our fallenness, in our brokenness. So what was God to do in the midst of this devastating situation? What was God to do? And so uh, one of the guys I have done some reading from in the fourth century, you guys will appreciate this, Athanasius. Anybody ever heard of Athanasius? A few guys. I don't know what I did to just get out of breath. I think I moved 
suddenly, and I'm out of shape now. It's just, now I'm going to be out of breath the rest of the sermon. Golly, that's terrible. Oh, no, I went up and down the steps once. Maybe it's the third sermon. Flow of third sermon. Okay. I'm still got it, right? Okay. I'm asking that to her. Just, yeah. So Athanasius, what was God to do? Let's read this. As then the creatures whom He had created reasonable, like the Word, were in fact perishing, and such noble works were on the road to ruin, what then was God to do? God being good. What was God being good to do? Was He to let corruption and death have their way in them? In that case, what was the use of having made them in the beginning? It's good, isn't it? Surely it would have been better never to have been created at all than having been created to be neglected and perish. And besides that, such indifference to the ruin of His own work before His very eyes would argue not goodness in God, but limitation. And that far more than if He had never created men at all. It was impossible, therefore, that God should leave man to be carried off by corruption because it would be unfitting and unworthy of Himself. So what was God being good to do? You've got Adam, and this loss is spreading through him and all of his descendants. So what does God do? God comes in flesh in Himself in Jesus. You roll that story forward. He comes and makes the promise to Abraham through your seed, through your family. Everybody's going to be blessed. All the nations are going to be blessed. And that ultimately, gets that whole family thing gets narrowed down to this one person, Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam. You've got Adam, everything messes up, and then you've got the second Adam who comes to make everything right, to undo all that Adam had done and to make things right. And it's through him and his life that new creation breaks onto the scene. And it's powerful. Let's talk about it. So here's the victory. The victory is over. You want to write all three blanks down? A lot of times I hold you in suspense, but just go ahead and write them down. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Victory over the devil. Or over Satan. Over Satan. So here we go. Victory over sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 15 through verse 19. But the gift that God's given in Jesus Christ is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now, what he's saying here is if Adam could do something that spread to everyone, can we not have faith? How much more faith that we would have in Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Son of the living God in the flesh, that he's gonna, what he's gonna do is gonna have even more effect than Adam's effect? I keep going. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment that followed the one man's sin brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Amen. Consequently, just as the result of one man's trespass was condemnation for all men, 
So the result of the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Praise the Lord. That's, that's awesome good news on Easter Sunday. You know, and it's, it's awesome. By the blood of, that was shed, our sins are forgiven. That's just wonderful good news. My, our sins are forgiven through the blood that was shed for us and by Jesus Christ. But the problem is, I don't know if you've noticed this, I've noticed it, it's just incredibly uh, reoccurring, and that is that it's not just that I need my sins forgiven, I need me dealt with, because I am like a conveyor belt of sin producing, I'm a sin factory, is what I am. I'm a sin factory, and I keep producing more sins. I feel really exposed when you get, like, oh, sorry about that, sorry buddy. <laughs> And, and so we're like, we're like sin factories, right? And so always there's, there's more stuff coming. And so what God does for us in Jesus Christ is deal with the sin factory. He deals with us. And if you keep reading in Romans chapter five, it goes down to chapter six. And in verse six, chapter six, verse six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. So what, what Jesus does is he steps into Adam's humanity into our flesh, he literally becomes human. He, he, he becomes God in the flesh. Like he, this is really important that we get this. He wasn't just a spirit floating around. He takes on our humanity, our flesh. He's tempted just like we are, but he doesn't sin. But he takes on that flesh and then he lives a life of constant dependence on God and is ultimately killed on the cross and takes with him our sinful humanity into the grave. Our sinful flesh. He takes Adam, everybody tracking? He literally, the second Adam takes the first Adam with him into the grave. Okay, this is the basis for freedom. If you're stuck in sin, you're stuck in an addiction, you go, I'll, I'll never get out of this. How will I ever get out of this? Look, there's a basis for freedom for all of us. There's a basis for us not living according to the flesh. Now, now, there's a struggle, but, but our destiny and where this is all going one day is that we would live in the power of the Spirit by His life within us. And so it's, it's like union. Uh, we're united with Christ. That's what Jesus has done is God coming in the flesh. He unites us to Himself so that when He dies, we die with Him. And when He's raised, we are raised with Him. That's what we, have, we normally have baptisms on Easter but that's the picture. I think we got one or two next week. The, the picture is we die with him and then we are raised to new life with him. And that's great. So there's Jesus victory is a victory over sins and sin the, the sinner. It's a victory over sinful flesh. That's that's just that's just some awesome good news. I'd stop there, but there's more. So it's a victory over sin and it's a victory over death. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. It's kind of more of the same thing. These are all kind of connected. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
So he's talking about the resurrection. And I, I do want to pause here. I did this in second service as well. And just say that it's important for us to talk about being raised from the dead. Like Christ is the first fruits of those who are going to be raised from the dead. We're going to be raised from the dead. Now, this is this is a key. Like so, what happens is we've got we get so we get so uh, you know where heaven is the end of the story, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But there's going to be a resurrection. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those raised from the dead, and we're going to be with him. Those who've died in Christ will be raised. And then those who are alive will be raised with him. And then there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And we're going to live with glorified bodies, non-perishable bodies. He's saying all of that in 1 Corinthians 15. And it always gets quiet when I talk about resurrection. But we're going to be raised bodily from the dead. That's a key part of Christian. It's not just we fly away and we kind of ethereal forever, you know, with some, you know, and that's, that's, that's a harp, you know, and like there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. I just want us to have, wow, I want our end, the end of what we see to shape the way we live right now. Like it has real implications for how we live on planet earth right now, because there's going to be a renewed glory, glorified earth, and we're going to have glorified bodies. I love what C.S. Lewis said, you know, if we could see what we're going to become, it would just, you know. It would rock us. We'd probably fall down and want to worship glorified people, you know, because they're so glorious. Um, I'm trying to think of the book. What's the book on heaven by Lewis? Somebody? Lewis Scholar? What? The, the, yeah, that's an awesome one. But um, the, the, great, the Great Divorce. Yeah, so read C.S. Lewis, everybody. So, uh, ouch. Um, that's weird. So here we go. But Christ, that's just a parenthesis. It's just important that we read 1 Corinthians 15. This is the gospel. And then he starts talking about the resurrection from the dead. And it's verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And again, it's this, what was a God being good to do? It's like you've got Adam and it blew up and you've got the second Adam who's making things right. He's making things right. And so our life, because of what God has done for us in Christ, is a, is a lifetime of saying yes to Him. Yes, Jesus, you are right. What you are done. I agree with you over all of my assumptions and all of my thinking, all of my tree of knowledge, ideas about what's right and wrong and who's in charge and all this, all this kind of stuff. I'm agreeing with you, Jesus. And I want to follow your way, Jesus, in all that I am and all that I do and all that I think, all that I watch, all of my words, all of my actions, all of my emotions. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to abide in you and live by your life. And so, it's a victory that's over death. I was just at um, uh, just uh, Polly Moss's funeral on this past Thursday. It was powerful. It was a powerful, you know, for us who are believers and for somebody who's 91, almost 92, who lived this full, rich life of pointing others to Jesus Christ. She was the last surviving relative of Addison and Randolph Clark who started 
TCU, the last surviving relative that had actually been with them and talked with them. Am I saying that right? And uh, so she was the she was the niece of those two guys, and I, I can't get I'm really confused on the what I don't know what that makes Ben, but he's kind of like TCU royalty or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, but I'm just at that funeral, like you guys, you want to live a life turning to Jesus your whole time, You're just living by faith in Jesus Christ, and then when you're it's time to go be with Him. Then people stand up and go, she was awesome. She pointed me to Jesus. She was awesome. She did this and that. And, and, and we know that she's with the Lord. And it was like, it's kind of a celebration. I mean, you live a good, full life of pointing people to Jesus. And you get to, I mean, it's sad. And it's, and it's a celebration. It's awesome. So there's victory over sin. There's victory over death. And there's victory over Satan. And I'll just make this last little point here quickly. And... Um, Look to uh, Hebrews chapter 2. And you see all of these themes, they kind of get woven together. You know, what God did for us through Jesus on the cross is, is powerful. Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death, He might destroy Him. He might destroy Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So you get a, some insight there into what's going on on at the cross. I mean, there's lots of things. I'm not trying to unpack everything that happened at the cross. But I mean, part of it is he's won this victory over sin. He's won this victory over death. And he's won this victory through his resurrection over the enemy by, by taking the authority that we had given to the devil in the fall of man in the garden, and he really had the authority. You know, so Jesus is being tempted, and he says, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. Jesus doesn't go, no, you don't have that authority. He doesn't say that, does he? But then what does he say after he's raised from the dead? Now you've got a human who is God and man, who's died and is now raised back to life. And he says, what does he say to his disciples? Now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always. 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 To the very end of the age. And I mean, this is, wow. Now we're getting to the heart of Easter. You know, this is what God has done for us in the sending of His Son, in the living of His life, in the dying, that death on our behalf, in being raised to life on the third day by the power of God, walking on the earth for 40 days, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and pouring out His Spirit now on all who believe. And so this is wonderful good news. It's the story of the victorious love of God that's for you. And for you, and for you, for me, we all get in on it. But it's a call to say, come on, put your trust in me, follow me, respond to me, order your thinking around me, order your life around me, order your relationships around me, order how you do life around me. And, and I want to live through you. I want you to experience my life. That's why he said, when the Spirit comes on that day, John 14, 20, on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father 
and you are in me, and I am in you. And this is the victory. The victory that is just such a blow away. And we celebrate Him today. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Y'all stand up. Let's respond to the Lord here. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, come. And guys, if you are just been around for a while, you know we do this every single Sunday. And it's just an opportunity. We want to take an opportunity at the end of the preaching of the Word of God and just respond like, whatever, Lord, what's going on in my heart right now? You might even just begin to ask that. Lord, what, what are you doing in me right now? And I just want to say to you that, that Easter is such a great time to put a stake in the ground to say, I'm going to keep following Jesus. Or maybe I need to start that journey. In fact, let's just go ahead and pray. And I want to give just, if there's anybody that has, a, uh, that has not made a clear decision to follow Jesus with your life, I want to give you a chance to just respond to Him right now. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes. So Father, just if there's anyone who's ready to start this journey, the journey of the, just the victorious life in Christ, it just starts with putting your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ who died for you, gave His life for you, was raised on the, power, on the third day by the power of God. And He wants you to know Him more than anything. He offers you freedom and forgiveness and life. If you want to put your trust in Him, if you would just, for the first time, put your hand up right now and I want to pray for you. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Great. Okay, let's, if you would, just let's pray. All of us pray together. And just, you might say something like this. You don't have to say it exactly like this, but Father, I thank You for Jesus Christ who died for my sins. Jesus, You're the Lord. And You're the giver of life. And I want to know You. I believe, I trust in You that You died for me. And I want to follow You all the days of my life. I believe that You rose again by the power of God. And I want to know that victory in my life. It just starts right there. Father, I pray for these that are saying yes to You for the first time. That they would be followers all the days of their life. Put a, just put that down deep in their lives. Lord, just come Holy Spirit and move in this room in the name of Jesus. Make all of the things of Jesus very real to us. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. So I want to encourage if you, you're just praying that for the first time, then get somebody to pray with you. And right now, I also want to encourage everybody else. We're going to have some ministry here. And just, today's a new day. Let's put the stake in the ground. Let this be a new day for you. I don't know what that looks like in your life or where you've been or what's going on, but why not put the stake in the ground and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want Him to be the Lord of everything. And it's just, you guys, it's the best life there is. And I also want to say too, if you're facing a mountain, something hard's going on in life, just that what, what we're about to do here is pray and God answers prayer. And He can bring the victory into whatever that situation is. It could be finances or relationships. Something's going on with family or, you know, just all kinds of things. Your work. But let's don't leave here without getting prayer. It could be if the front fills up, then get prayer from somebody that you came with. But let's pray. Let's expect God to move right now. Let your kingdom come, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever your need is, guys, let's get prayer. Let's go for it. Press into God. He's so good. He's so good. The victory is so real. Thank you, Lord. Amen.